This is Kristen. And this is Isha. Welcome to I'm Not Not a Peach Crayon. You always got to do something extra. No, I didn't do it on the first one. The first episode back, I purposely was like, let's throw a curveball and be absolutely silent. Well, I get it. Welcome back, everyone. We've got another fantastic episode for you. We uh, switched it up on y'all because we were going to do, uh, was it not Queen Soto? Uh, yeah. It was no, it was Queen, Queen Soto. Soto. I'm thinking of Queen of the South, too. So confusing. Uh, but we decided at the last minute to do something that we had had helped to inspire season one or one of the it was one of the thoughts or that it was we had one of the shows that one. we had for season one. But we had a hard time locating it. Yes. That was the problem. Feel free to uh, DM us on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to figure out how we figured it out. Or you can send us tips and we can share with other people. Let us know. Yeah, but uh, it was about the TV show uh, from 2018 called Superstition that aired on Sci-Fi. Very superstitious. Yes, that song was in my head. (laughs) Yes, the entire time and still now. Right. But you were the one who told me about the TV, the television show because you were like, hey, I just found out about this show. So how did you find out about Superstition? Honestly, okay, so this is what happened. This is how I find a lot of things, everyone. So I, when we first moved back, when I first moved back to the States and we moved into our apartment in Humboldt Park. Yeah, Humboldt Park. I was like, do we say it? But you said it. So in Humboldt Park. We don't and, live there. Yeah, we don't live there anymore. Uh I we have I happened to have the TV playing while I was working on something and I was on Sci-Fi Channel because you know you just gotta when you want TV trash that you love and I mean trash in the best way like a trash panda everyone like loves B, a trash panda B rate B movie rating but that are so good that you're like I will watch this and get engaged yes. um so what happened was I had something on I don't know what I was watching but I had happened to look up during a commercial for Sci-Fi. And I was like, what is this black nonsense? Because it was like supernatural-ish. Like they were fighting demons and ghosts. And it was around the time that True Blood was still like pretty live and featured. And so I was like, oh, and this is a black family and we fight demons. I was like, what? But the the thing went away real quickly and I had missed most of it. So so it it took me a while. It might have been a dream. It took me a while to figure it out because I was like, what was the title? Uh, And then actually years later... A few years later, I, I thought about it again, and that's when we were talking about creating this podcast, and I was like, we have to find this show, because, and A, I did not know, I'm going to just tell you right now who is in this lovely masterpiece, Mario Van Peebles. Yes. I did not realize he was in there the first time I saw, because I think I was just trying to, like, take it all in. I think when you showed me the trailer for it, I was like, that's Mario Van Peebles. I haven't seen him in I don't know how long. I know. I was like, damn, you know when you know an actor, but you're like, when have I seen you? What? Like, you, because it's been a minute since I've seen him anything. Yeah. So I was like, what was the last thing that I've seen you in, sir? I don't even, I can't even think back. But I do remember that also they threw another surprise curveball, which was Jasmine Guy. And I was Mm. like, oh my gosh, Mm. Jasmine Guy. I haven't seen her in the longest time either. She plays a very dope conception of Anansi, which is, um, uh, I want to say West African, but I might be slightly off, but it is an African deity. Uh, and if you ever watch, was it, I think American Gods, they have Mr. Nancy who's played by, oh, I never remember uh, this. That was Orlando Jones. Yes. Orlando Jones. He plays, he does an amazing job. I still have to finish it. But anyway, uh, 
she plays a female version of Anansi, which in my entire time of seeing that folklore, that myth, that deity, I've never seen them represented as a female. So I thought that was a very clever additive. But when I looked that it up, very cool. there might be a South Carolina origin. It was hard for me to like kind of find deeper because there's nothing really about the show. But I was looking up versions of Anansi the Spider and there is Aunt Nancy and it said South Carolina. This is Wikipedia, so I'm not sure I have to do more deep diving. But the, I was like, oh, is there like a female version in the South that like got created after like slaves moved over? What's the origin story? I got to find this out. If I find it, y'all, I'm going to share it. That's interesting. That's very yeah. it, it also makes me wonder, since you said it's in South Carolina, was there a Greek influence because you have Arachne, the mm-hmm. spider? Um, is South Carolina heavily? Well, like, I was just thinking because South Carolina is located in the United States, and the United States pulls its history from Greek, Greek and, and Roman, Roman uh, heritage. It could so be. that it could be like a some type of cross. It could be like how they do with uh, the diaspora. Yeah, uh, so religions. it was a cross mix. So then it just made uh, a Nancy was similar to Arachne, and so it was just kind of they were kind of merged together. Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be interesting if someone is from South Carolina and knows South Carolina history, especially with like. And lore. Yeah. Especially with like slave integration and like how they adapted their particular beliefs um, in the culture that they were raised. Feel free to like send that to us or post it because I'm I'll try to keep looking. But it was it was already like very few information, little information. I had to like keep searching it in different form forms just to get like that little bit right but i know that from history there have been times when uh those people the people who've been enslaved have had to adapt oh yeah condoble uh santeria like there's so many things that they've merged together with like western tradition just to like hide it right and to continue to still practice so maybe that's one of those things i don't know i figured it was i just was curious what the origin of it was because you know like Santeria, you, we've gotten enough information of like West African, but like Latino uh, fusion of culture with Catholicism as well. Right. So, yeah, that's one thing that I'm really interested in learning about lately has been like the African diaspora's um, belief system and how it's adapted and moved or changed within different countries that African slaves are sent to, or like even with Moors when they were going there willingly, like how did the uh cultural beliefs integrate because like the one thing i love about the philippines is like this is funky like in malaysia these funky places where they have latino and european and their own beliefs and they're all like fused into these different foods and culture and beliefs so it's always fascinating to me sorry y'all i started i studied folklore and i'm gonna get on a tangent so i'm gonna stop but no, this is but like fascinating is, to me. Yeah, that is very, it's very interesting. And since you brought up the Moors, I'm going to piggyback on that one because this uh, TV show Superstition centers on a uh, black American family uh, of Moorish ancestry, mm-hmm. uh, or I should say Partial descent. Moorish, yeah. Um, and so they are basically, they live in this little town of La Rochelle in Georgia they run a funeral home, but on mm. the side, outside of normal business hours and around normal business hours, like normal families do. Right. And second they job. have a second job, which is to protect the world from uh, demons and monsters and ghosts and things that go bump in the night. 
I found it funny, and I had to purposely not, try not to read these reviews because I heard that a lot of people weren't excited once they saw the show that they or that there were thoughts that it was just a supernatural knockoff. And I find that kind of not offensive. I don't want to say that, but annoying and frustrating because Supernatural wasn't the first type of show that was like that i mean x files before that you had buffy the vampire slayer right i mean it's just a it was a progression of that kind of genre but they were like it's a dock off supernatural and it's terrible and all all these other things and i was like for what it was the show that it was trying to be there was a lot that was they were trying to do which i think kind of got why things got muddled through the the writing later through the series but they were and pretty much all black cat main cast. There was like two white people that came through, three white people that come through as like featured characters. Uh, four, sorry, because well, I'm thinking about the one that is a main, uh, a main side character, right? Well, she's but kind of a main character because wait, oh, I'm sorry, no, five then because I'm thinking of Tilly, the Dredge, yeah, that's who I was thinking Russ, of Tilly. I'm just saying in general the 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 featured white characters oh, okay. in the show. But everyone else was like black leads or POC leads. And yes. so you have this. And while they address racism in the form of like demons versus humans or infernos versus humans, they keep it pretty like, I don't know why I keep saying funky today. I'm sorry, guys. But like in the sense of they don't really address. It's just like black people fighting who own a funeral parlor and are, um, fighting demons like you have you know that in this world there is racism that they probably have to deal with but that's not the central focus it's just like it's that idea or that concept that i'm always looking for is like i can see us just living that life you know what i mean like it's not that yeah we're purely just have stories of racism but it's a story of a family dealing with the fact that they have like these extra issues going on and try to survive and it's a and black family. family and they still have family issues right that they have to deal with so you can see yourself in that role as opposed to having to see again a you know a white family doing the same thing or white characters mainly doing the same thing right um since i did watch the show supernatural um I've only watched for, the, for, for the longest time i now that it's it's over i'll probably go back and and probably binge watch the entire thing well maybe not the entire thing that's 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 a lot of years of my yeah, life right like, there like 14 seasons 17? it's like 15 oh, i God. think um mm -mm. but there were uh because you were like yeah they because they do kind of give like a nod to supernatural um in the first episode uh and I know that there are going to be some spoilers, so let me preface that now. Spoiler alert in I'm, this episode. Yeah. We won't be too, like, we won't be too bad. We won't, like, Right, we won't you tell you everything, yeah. but there will be some spoilers because you just got to talk about certain things. Um, but with Supernatural, you basically have, like, these two brothers, Sam and Dean, who are trying to uh, are rid the, the world. the Winchester brothers? Yeah, their last name is Winchester. Were they related? I was curious because I realized... I to the gonna... Winchester... Yeah. To the... They do mention that uh -huh. in later... I figured they would. In, like, mid-series-ish area, I I believe. But they have all of these, like, things that, that tie in family drama and stuff like that because it's mostly, like, these two brothers who lost their mom uh, and their father raised them to be hunters of the things that of the thing that killed their mother mm -hmm. which are like demons and monsters and all of these ghosts and all of these things so that's basically the family business that they've grown up they grew up doing 
business of death. Right. Well, so I can see where people would be like, oh, it's kind of like a knockoff version of Supernatural. Because, like you, like you said, I always feel, and I know we've mentioned this in an earlier podcast. I'm, like, going to take a, a a turn here, so just follow me for a second. Yeah. Um, with how there always has to be like a black version of something else. Mm, you know, like you're the black version of Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, you're the uh-huh. black version of this or the black version of that instead of just being like, this is its own a show. story. Yeah. Right. And why do we always have to be the black version, the Latino version, right. the Asian, Asian version, version of whatever it it's is. It's just a story. Instead of just listening, having a story. And there are differences with this story because the family unit is still, all together mm. um it comes in different forms it comes in different still... forms but the parents are still there and it's a son who has to reestablish and deal with uh the things the f- he left behind the things he left behind yeah the things he left behind and also to reestablish that connection with his father because he believes his father uh did something very horrible to the family mm. and so th- it it was that that thing that severed the bond yeah and and then he comes back after going to war and fighting uh um as a marine coming back home to deal with those issues that originally had him leave in the first place yeah um and then come to find out that there are other things that he was not made aware of while he was gone as i keep saying every family has their secrets right that he has to figure out but the fact is what the family did was not one of those secrets like he grew up knowing that his family fought and protected la rochelle against monsters and demons and all that other spooky Mm -hmm. creatures or infernals as they call them he was raised to 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 follow and train and so that would have been his life pursuit um and we'll get into a little bit later uh, the family dynamics in there because it gets it gets interesting i was about to say funky again Lord help me, y'all. But I thought one of the things that uh, came to mind when I was watching this and also when I saw some of those, um, not reading them, but the headlines for those reviews, is it reminded me of like Happily Ever, a- Happily Ever After, Fairy Tales for Every Child. Do you remember that? I used to like love HBO. that show. Yes. I know. And it was based... It what it was not basically what it was was that the show would do the same traditional fairy tales and also some that were from other cultures, yes. but it would have POC animated characters that would. So Rumpelstiltskin was a dark skin. Uh, I forgot what he was, an uh, imp or uh, I believe uh, it was an imp. But it yeah, was, and the king, it was really good. Yeah, oh, I love those stories. But it gave you the perspective of seeing. Um, us in those roles and seeing us as fantasy characters but it also made reflecting upon that it made me think of this um one article i was reading and if i remember who she was i'll post it later or or, um i always say i'm gonna post stuff and then i forget anyway uh but in it she is talking about how as a writer she tried to write a black character and what she had realized she'd done after the fact after it had been published was that she had written basically this woman of color who was affluent and from a black family and lived in France and blah, blah, blah. But what she had done was not right from a perspective or asked people um, from the perspective of a black person. She poured it as she wrote it as a white woman that she poured into the shape of that black woman. And it reading that kind of made me think of 
in a sense those uh, those few fairy tales on happily ever after and how people reacted to superstition is like the concept of they were trying to to put uh, in terms of super or supernatural they were trying to fit it to the mold of a white story but it wasn't a white narrative even though i don't know who all the writers were but the right. showrunner was a person of color however with like happily ever after some of the fairy tales we were pouring white featured uh stories into the the characters of black and brown people but if i remember correctly didn't but they, they do cultural changes there would be cultural changes right because now that those those fairy tales that we grew up are in the cultural sphere, you can do whatever you want with those. You can right. create new stories. They would have like of them. cultural differences. There would be. Now that I think about it, so it, it, it's interesting to what I guess my point is then the difference when you sometimes see these shows or books and stuff written by not is it it's it's in, it's a question of when it's a person of color writing it when the story in the 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 wheel of how to write of story lines story tropes and story stereotypes um does it come off as like pouring a white narrative into a black or brown soul or you have this option of or the thought of when it's written by non-people of color is it them trying to because you get those stereotypes sometimes like there's some infernos in the show where i was like was the staff on here white? Because it was some stereotypes that like kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like James's character, some of the infernals being like the character types of who they were and what color they were. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I I think I know some of the things that you're talking about because there were some things that kind of like I was just like, what is going on? But mm. um, that also when you were talking about that, it made me think of when Disney was planning on doing their live action version of like the little mermaid and they cast, I don't remember who, what her name is, but she was some, uh, some, a uh, young lady who was a singer and she got her start with Disney or something like that, but she is a person of color mm-hmm. and they were going to cast her as Ariel. And there is this huge, like firestorm or hullabaloo. That's mm-hmm. gotta be my favorite word again hullabaloo uh because she it was a non-white redhead girl who was going to be portrayed as ariel and it was like but what does it matter because ariel's a a mermaid character anyway mermaids really don't exist so far as i know and if that's the case they can come in whatever color they may not even have the human top they may be what they have sometimes with the fish top and the human bottoms yes (laughs) so it was like but like there was this huge thing where people were like that's not what Ariel was like that's not what the movie showed that's not if she came from the part because Hans Christian Andersen uh and I believe he was Danish he wrote Mm. the story of the Little Mermaid um and so they were like she's supposed to come from this part of the world so if she's coming from this part of the world then she should be white and blah 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 and it was like she's a fictitious character but Ursula, who is actually not in the story, yeah. there is a sea witch, but her name is not Ursula, Ursula. in the story. Uh, they create. They, they don't mind on. her being a black character because I've right. seen Ursula portrayed as being black. Yes, or she uh, has like black several times, or has traits pur- and things purple. like that. Yes, yeah. But that's not an issue. But for Little Mermaid, because not do we to get be there? a white girl 
was totally beyond their was their span beyond the scope and i was like did they forget when brandy portrayed cinderella are you gonna say well because cinderella i think it's a french fairy tale um I don't remember. Well, then she wasn't black because I remember when Brandy did redid Cinderella and with Whitney Houston. As, and yeah, no, as people, the godmother. it just came back on Disney Plus and people right. lost their Whoopi mind. Whoopi Goldberg about it. was the queen. Uh, there was Who another was actor. Prince? I can't remember I can't his remember. name. He was the prince was, was Asian, one? and I yeah, was like, where? <laughs> where yeah. did this kid come from? But Which, they, that's a whole conversation of how like black women and Asian men and like dating. But let me not but, get off track. But yet his parents were. Had, he had a white right. mother and a, a black mother and a white father and you had an Asian prince and it was like okay but as a kid you're like I, I dig I, this the music this is so much fun who cares what everybody right? looks like this is like. my thing what was happening in Disney that time was somebody giving free reign and they were like oh everyone is um, allegedly we're gonna make this like a community production where everybody gets a or role. they were like no one's paying attention to me they're letting me have creative license because they trust me I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want until they get it and they can't they'll by the time they catch it it's too late kind of thing yeah because it, it came on TV so you know right and you were just like I remember sitting there and being like because we watched it because Brandy was in there we found we it at Whitney Houston and of them. Yes, and Whoopi Goldberg. And yes, and then we saw it, and I was like, I don't like musicals that much, but I am digging this so much. And I love musicals. There was so much color going on. I yeah. was like, I get this family. We have all this adopted diversity because I had friends who were adopted and like had different parents of different uh, backgrounds. It was yeah. so great. But I and can't Disney even remember out. when that came out. But from that time to this, and. Now you're upset because they were going to give the role to a non-white woman. And I and I think they ended up not casting her in the role because they originally cast her and then they, they just, took, they it, took it back. Yeah. I was like, so y'all decided to renege because of public pressure. I was like, when did Disney cave to public pressure with all the things that Disney oh, has done? I feel like because, well, you know what they have done has been towards, you know, in, in highlight of a certain group of people, but just going to sip my water for a minute. I'm just like, so did that, that one person who got that Cinderella out there with Brandy and all the diverse co- colors was that why Disney was like, not again. We're never letting this happen again. It got, you got too wild and too free. This is what we have. Who wrote? So I'm sorry, I I'm getting told Cause I was know. like, who wrote this? Who was the showrunner? Who was the director? It's probably all people of color. And they were like, Oh, Oh, we let the black people have too much fun. <laughs> they may not have even been black. They may not, but you know, that makes me, and I know I'm getting so off topic, but it's me. I was watching this, um, or I was reading this interview, sorry. And they had a picture of all the people who do the music, uh, direction or music producer for um, like black shows currently out or like in the last few years right and they were all guests they're all white yes all white or women or men but like insecure and I may destroy you and all these things and I was like that's kind of disappointing because I, I know that those shows are still doing a lot but it's like there's no one in the industry of color who's got these opportunities to be in these spaces. Like, is that all they have to choose from? And why is that? Why is there not really a diverse group of people? And even in the musical engineering department or like in the background of creating these, these movies and TVs, because like Sarah, she's a woman of color and she tells me how difficult it is to get like certain jobs and, um, uh, in the field and industry, especially as an Asian woman, so that and that's probably why because a lot of times i think it's all in like who you know 
And if you don't know somebody and I think that's what you find across the board. It's all in who you know. A lot of jobs people get, a lot of things that it's all about who you know. So there's the the cronyism and nepotism aspect. And if you don't know somebody high enough up the food chain who's willing to vouch for you or even mentor you and take you under their mm. wing, it is that much more difficult, difficult for you to break through versus the person who you know, has all of this uh, access mm -hmm. because of family connections, friends, and all these things. Um, and I think, I can't remember what it was exactly that I was either watching or reading that was discussing that, but they were basically saying, you know, a lot of times when you're talking about, you know, who's going to go up for positions and things like that in a company or in a firm, who who are the people who are being mentored? They're generally white. Mm-hmm. Uh, more specifically white men because so they then, can also afford to be like in internships or in these kind of things that don't pay as much because they also have. it's who you know yeah so you know if you're going to these ivy league schools and you know you're making connections with other people from ivy league schools and the people who they predominantly you know bring into these schools as legacies or whatever else are predominantly white mm. then you've already got a a group or a you know this um uh, network that's already been established for you that you just need to tap into when your parent can pick up the phone and call the president or the CEO right, of like, hey, else I need you and to be like, Hey, favor or... my, my kid is looking for work. They need some, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. And then be like, Oh sure. You I know, have them just this. come into the office and all of a sudden, you know, or we'll get them set up and squared away the network. Right. But if you've got somebody who's coming from maybe, the south or west side of chicago who doesn't have that but they're qualified with the requisite skills mm -hmm. but they don't have that network they have to, they, they can't get their foot in the door they can't, can't get even. their foot in the door or it takes them even longer to get up to that level and that was the other thing that they've been talking about with like corporations because corporations are like oh we need to be more diverse and have more people of color and at the like, top okay because when you get to the top it's pretty much predominantly all white, all white and it's predominantly all white men mm. and very few white women, but still it's predominantly all white. And the question is like, why is it like that? Is because you, they lose the people who have the skills, who are people of color who have to fight that, the, yeah, who have to fight through that. And then they have to deal with the racism and the biases that come with that as they're going along up. with. Yeah. And people get tired and burnt out and they go somewhere else. So they start the, like, this exactly. is why you they see so many professionals doing their own thing of color because it's like, I know I have these skills and I'm capable, but I'm tired of spending all of my energies for a job that doesn't or is not going to appreciate me or give me the work that I do. The door. Exactly. Cause I've met so many women of color, especially who are like blow my mind with how amazingly an expert they are on certain fields and things of their interest. And yet they're doing certain jobs that like either do not fit up to the standard. They're not happy with because they can't get to a point and when they they finally when they're reaching to those things, they keep hitting a wall of like, okay, well, I can keep trying to scratch at this, and maybe I'll be the one person who breaks through. Because occasionally you'll get like the CEO was it a Walmart or Lowe's who's a person of color. Yeah, um, I think it's Lowe's. And then there's the one black woman who was like the first Walmart CEO, and she was like Fortune 500. But it takes you know not everyone can be that one person who gets in. And not then everybody wants to sacrifice all those all the years to get into it. So they do their own stuff or they end up being lost in these like dead end jobs that don't fulfill their purpose. Or they just, like I said, um, they 
get the requisite skills that they need and they take them elsewhere. They create their own companies, like you mentioned. Um, And I think you're going to find more and more of that because people are not going to keep putting up with the same garbage because I've worked in corporate uh, America and several different forms I've worked in. Yeah, several different forms. And I can honestly tell you, like, there are times where I was like, if I was white, you wouldn't have treated me like that. You wouldn't have have spoken to me like that or you wouldn't have you would not have reacted that way but yet I have to maintain my sense of calm and composure because if I snap off on you the way you snapped off on me which would have been justified it would have been taken in a whole other context right and I would have lost my job no I but you can't lose yours and so I was like you know I've I have enough of that like I work to learn to get skills and Mm. once I get those requisite skills I will move on to something else. Yeah, especially it. What was I going to say? All of this to that leads to this. You you have this show where because, oh, that's what I was going to say. Issa Rae. So she or no, I was listening to uh, black women talk about like being com- comedians and how they're working through the comedic workforce. And she this one comedian, Gaia Yayasi, I can never remember her name and I should be better about it, but she's really funny and, and she's this queer black woman from the UK, but she's Nigerian descent, I want to say. You mentioned her, I think, in the last yeah. podcast. And I think, yeah, I think I might have said, I was just thinking, I was like, did I say this in the last one? But that idea of, uh, again, if it's not there, well, F it. I'm going to create my own version and just do it my way. So she created, she went and got the people and she did her own special and okay. then she put her own special out and then people were like, hey, at her door. And it was the same. Now she does like Barb Hart's, Bob Hart's Iola or Alia, whatever that CBS show is. Oh, then, okay. Abiola or whatever. Yeah. And she has her own stand up. Like, but she's like, I, if I had not done that, she's like, I don't know if I would have been at the same level of notoriety, notoriety, notoriety. Thank you. That I'm at today. And the same thing with Issa Rae. I remember her. From Miss It, like the first thing I came across was Miss Adventures of Black Girl, uh, of an awkward black girl, because I felt with that. But she went out with people that she knew, found people, did what they could with the limited budget and like equipment they had, and created a show and just did it themselves. And she was been doing herself, and then people picked her up. And the same with like Michaela Coel. I never say her name right. Do you know how to say her name? Michella. I, well, I, I do not know. I'd have to look I'm up sorry, first. y'all. I'm terrible at all names, including my own, because I misspell it at work all the time. So if I mispronounce your names, it's because I don't even know my own name. Anyway, tying this all back to superstition, this is why, as much as I have, and we'll, I'll talk about the things I found problematic within it. I really appreciate it for what it was. And Mario People, Van Peoples, I'm going to say his full damn name this entire time, for having the access to do and like even be a part of this show and kind of get it out there and creating a black centered story in the supernatural world, which is two things I'm interested in. And while it had its hiccups and like issues, it was nice to see me possibly fighting infernos with my family. If we owned a funeral home, Yes. Um, I also did like it. I thought it had a lot of potential. It was a really great idea. Yes. Honestly, I feel like maybe with a uh, a bigger network, perhaps a bigger budget, there could have been uh, so much more that could have that could have been done. Um, Especially because Netflix 
took it up and man if they had decided if netflix had decided to create and fund a second season and just take a chance on it they have the budget 2019 it would have been because this came out in 2007 2018 or that's when it ran yeah uh, no, it ran 2017, 2018. Oh, okay. Um, but like, it could have. There's funding. Netflix was doing a okay in 2019, 2018. So they could have very well funded a second season and taken a chance and like given it the production and the background and the support it needed to be like a a, a much better second season or fulfilled. Let's just say that a fulfilled second season. I don't. I'm not sure if they would have done that because oh, they were if they, they were would. looking at the numbers for what it was already pulling in on sci-fi. Um, but I do know that there were sci-fi shows that had better budgets and could do all that you could do a lot with versus what you saw what what I saw with Superstition. So I'm not exactly sure what the budget was. Yeah. For it, it but- reminded me of Xena and Hercules from like. The when they try to do like special effects, yes, that kind but, of. But I mean, that was at the time with like the yeah. height of technology. That's like, why I was like, they just give them the old bit, school stuff. A bit better now. Here's some equipment from the 1990s. Yeah, it was like you know, go do something with that. Um, for me, I thought with watching the first episode, it felt rushed to me. It felt like they were trying to cram a lot in there, and I was like, yeah, you need. I, I felt that it would have uh, been better in the long run to kind of like break that up and a lot of the things that were su- supposedly happening with the family and the fa- and and certain things that had happened I felt like if they had had the time possibly it could have um instead of resolving it all in like the first few episodes it could have like spanned it out so then it was it created this mystery kind of sort of like supernatural where you you kind of get the premise but yet here's the mystery of like who actually did kill their mother and how did they tie into this? And that kind of leads credence to the story because with Supernatural, it really kicks off with, uh, I believe, Dean going to go and find his younger brother at school because their father has disappeared. Right. And so here's this mystery is like what happened to dad and along the way while we're trying to do this, we're helping other people and trying to figure things out as we go along this just makes me think though because i've seen this a lot with like a lot of poc led tv shows or like short limited series is that they almost already know that they may not make a second season and so they get into this like rush of like we have to do as much as we can just to see if something sticks and maybe we'll get held on to like you see what i'm saying like you write something they have they have this worry that it's like okay let's throw it all in there because we may not get another chance at this again everything at it to see what sticks and hits the wall and which sucks because when i i sometimes think in that nebulous point of view or like all these things that could happen and you're like i want to tackle them all but it's like it's that i think weird uh decision of like okay do we try to tackle one issue and hope that people will like understand that this is like a building process like other shows and that uh this character development needs to build and like allow us to come come or come back for a second season or do we just try to shoot our shot because we we just want to have at least the representation so that someone else will see it and maybe later have the ability to do something more extended or longer or like you know expand the idea you know what i'm saying because so i like i don't understand the industry or how these decisions get made but if there's this guess. pressure of on like POC creatives 
for for shows and movies to be like, okay, you got to throw everything in there, or particularly shows that you got to throw everything at it right now because you're most likely this is like we're we'll only give you this one season to to build, and especially as when your first season sometimes is your building season, mm. and a season and a show doesn't really get good until its second season. Exactly. Like if people had done that with The Office, because I watched the first season mm. and I was like why do people even like this show mm-hmm. and they're like no you gotta wait till the second season and they also said the thing, same thing for like parks and rec you're like you gotta wait till the second season because that's when it really gets good and i was like well shouldn't it be good in the first season instead but of be like, waiting but yet it's like these, a book you have to build right the dev- story the character instead of like but trying to rush it, through yeah. it and then it's like well now I may not have been as an inve- as invested as I was in the beginning because I'm you- asking questions because I'm like, wait, what happened? Right, <laughs> what and happened? it did lead to other questions, like you know, why did one of the characters suddenly have like magic powers? And it was like, yeah. where did these powers come they from? They kind of like half ass thrown in there, like right before you're like, I guess I could assume it. Like they, it's weird. Like they try to give you lead development for things or like hints, but it's just because. It, it just felt like, yeah, like it was rushed and they were like, we got to throw this all in. We got to answer all these questions now because pe- we're not going to get it. We prop. I don't even want to say that like producer or like whatever the company that was, um, I think it was Mario Van Peebles production company and something else. Uh, but like them coming in and saying like sci-fi coming in and saying like, we're only giving you one season. I don't think it was like said like that, but it's almost implied because of it the could have lack been in the contract i don't know it could have been but you know what i mean like i feel like when i say the general idea of why a lot of poc shows sometimes are rushed is because it's not said directly to them that like we're not you know we're taking a chance on you and you get this one season it's like there's not a lot of if anything out there and they're very it took us just to so much just to get this meeting or just to get the like okay to like produce this so now we've got to like under this assumed pressure whether it is or isn't there the the industry has allowed this concept to grow and be a looming presence when people are creating uh I like I said I don't know how and I I wish maybe somebody out there knows uh, more than we do about how these things happen because I think that's something that's very important to to understand but for sure like there was this there was this rush and if you watch it you'll probably uh feel that sense that I I did maybe you won't but you might um but they did have a lot of uh one-liners that I did like I must say that they would slide in there um, one of them was the United States of Amnesia, because even though they don't specifically focus on slavery mm-hmm. um, and the history of the United States, it does come up because, of course, when you deal with black people living in the South because they're living Georgia, white people like that. Like you do see, you do see that you do see this same dynamic with uh, the mayor and one of the characters who's the sheriff of the town. May. May. Yes, where. You know, he's talking and he's talking about her losing her job. And like, you got this white man like yelling at yeah. this black woman and she still he wasn't has to yelling keep it together. at her. He was threatening her real close. He was in her space. He was he was uh, pretty aggressive. Yes, for sure. that's what I mean. Like he had the, the and that happens where like in spaces where they have the audacity to be in your space and threaten you, whether it's a verbal like full out yelling or like a quiet like. I'm going to pretend that I'm composed because I have this facade that I put onto the world, but I'm also this person who's 
you know, intimidating you in your space. But also it made me think of that because in light of the deputy who is white that you see for the most part. Bumbling around. Yeah. Young white guy who's pretty much always like around for the first several episodes. Um, when the mayor comes at him, he, he does come at him, but he doesn't come at him nearly as, as hard as he comes at her. And I, I, part of me was like, is it because she's the sheriff and she's the one who calls the shots? And also is it, she a black, she's a black woman and she can't sit there and snap and clap back at him the way he was coming snapping at her because she has to maintain her professionalism at all times. That's why I feel like this show was trying to, it was clever. Like you were saying, like there's one liners throughout that are very clever and speak touch on like certain topics they were doing, but there's like so many themes. Cause I try to go with like racism and gender dominance and, uh, themes of like being a single mother and like what's the between abortion and keeping a child and talking about and miscarriage yes. and miscarriage and talking of just, there's so many what else there's like life support power of attorney what to do racism again there was a ptsd and sexual violence there were so many things that they were trying to touch on which i think if they had multiple seasons and had time to go through it could have been great to develop these like things out right um kind of like what show was i watching or listening about and they were talking about how each season they tried to tackle certain superstore they were like oh each season they like tried to do things that were tackling certain issues going on at the moment and it had time to develop out through the season and they might throw things that like inlaid with it right but they had time to develop and take their time and like give depth to it which this show did not have the opportunity to do which would have probably made it better and it would have extended it uh, uh probably a few seasons mm. If they had had the time, because when you mentioned the one about abortion, I did like that episode and I liked how it was only a discussion amongst women. Like there were no men Mm. in this discussion at all and how you had the perspective of a bee who was a mother um, and she had lost, she, and she lost a child uh, via miscarriage and she, cause she was, uh, I, she was, I having, uh, empathy and identifying with the pain and struggle of another woman who had died and she had lost her child before she died. Right. And how um, she coped with losing that child and like right. every mother's versus May, who was a, uh, teen mom. Uh, who she was 18 though. It, yeah. So technically she was adult, but she's still a teenager. <laughs> yeah. She's still a child. And who was had the debate with herself whether or not she should abort her child or keep her child. Mm. Um, and she as, chose to. And, and being a single, and she chose to become a single mom. And then you had Tilly who was uh, in college mm. when she found out she was pregnant, but she chose to abort her child because she wanted to go on and become a doctor, which was something that she had dreamed of doing. Mm-hmm. And so you have like these three different perspectives and these women are t- speaking together. Um, and I'm not going to go too much into that episode, but the fact is that they were willing to have this conversation. And what I liked is that they had the conversation amongst the women. Yeah. They had like instances where they, cause like and what's there were Calvin, Calvin had talked about, uh, it was making like comments about it. And it was like, yeah. you need to check yourself as a man trying to under speak as if you understand the, what the this feelings. woman is going through. But right. then like, I do, like you said, when I think about it, 
that conversation was centered all women. And the other thing was they had the uncomfortable conversation of having the mother who decided, (coughs) sorry, May, who decided to keep the child, but also having her child there to hear that she could have possibly not been there. Yes. And what that means, because I know I've had a friend who who had their mother talk to them about them like that. Not like that, but like talk to them about that issue. And like that was something that could have happened. And the feelings they went through of being like, I might have not been here. And what does that entail? And like trying to understand the perspective of your mother and why they would want to take that, have that decision and why it would have been possibly a good decision for them. Right. Well, full disclosure, because I remember in uh, high school, um, we kind of had this, I went to a all girls Catholic high school for like two years, y'all. So, uh, we did have a conversation, uh, about this in like one of our religion classes. Um, and one of the girls in my class was talking about how her mother told her point blank that if she, uh, came home pregnant as a teenager, she was like, I've already raised my children. I'm not raising yours. Um, and I was like, well, I can't really say anything about her mom because her mom is right. She's she's raised her children. And, you know, if you make a choices, way. then you have to deal with the consequences of that. And another girl was talking about how her mom told her point blank that she might not have even been here had she decided to abort her. But she decided to keep her, which made me wonder because I had for a little bit a single mom. So I went home and I asked mom if she ever thought about aborting me or keeping me like you already know that there are some things that I, that you, I should probably not ask, but, but yet I'll ask. I them. mean, it's a, it's an honest question. And like, yeah, it's, it's hard not to ask those questions. Though, right. You... And mom is like, we can always talk about whatever. So this was one of those times where I asked her a question. Point you get blank. what you asked for. Uh, I did, and I remember Mom's response to this day. Mom got what she asked for by saying you she, did. <laughs> she she did. She certainly did get what she asked for, and I bet she curses the fact that she said Ever that to me every that. day. Yep. Every time I come up with something new, she's like, I, I just sit in the background laughing. <laughs> um, but I did ask her, and I remember Mom saying clear. She was like, "If I didn't want you, you wouldn't be here." And that's a decision she made. That was yeah. a decision she made. And and it's also, I want to say that just, it does, it's not also when women decide maybe not to have the baby. It does. It's not also about like wanting you maybe. Or not like, wanting. That's there's true. There's so many things that are entailed for, into that. For me, for <laughs> me and what I asked Your my mother. mother, that is what her response to me was. I'm not talking about everybody, anybody else's mother or someone who could have been someone else's mother. But what I did like is because they were willing to take on that topic, which is such a controversial topic. But I, sometimes I feel that if we don't talk about things and like talk that out without not throwing, trying to throw my, my morals on top of you or at least um, chastising you for a choice that you've cho- chosen to make with your life and with your body. We need to be able to discuss these things without saying like, w- no woman can do any of this. Right. Which is kind of currently what's going for, yeah. on right now. And I think Georgia or uh, one of these Southern states is that they're trying to work on overturning Roe versus Wade to get it sent to the Supreme court by creating these state laws that, pretty much prevent a woman from getting an abortion at all yes and there's other states that already are like that 
um, where women have to drive such and such hours, six plus hours, 10, 20 hours to get to another state or the closest like center to either get healthcare to understand and make an informed decision for themselves, first of all, so they don't do anything dangerous and they can like take care of themselves and B, if they do want to get an abortion, it's so difficult to do that because there's so many loops that they have to on t- jump through on top of the emotional, not trauma. I don't want to say in this particular case, cause it could be different in every situation, but emotional situation that you're in when you're deciding what to do with what's going on with your body. And also the fact that um, in some cases you can be arrested in your own state mm-hmm. when you go back Mm-hmm. as well um, and that's a oh, I can't even imagine if that happened and I'm like I just went through something that was very because even if women are like super sorry to interrupt you super about do, not super about but like are have decided to do it it's still an emotionally traumatic experience to have it done <coughs> um I'm not I don't think I, I can't speak for everybody, but I don't think it's as easy a decision as people yeah try oh, to God, make it seem to be and I have my own thoughts and feelings on the matter but i'm not gonna have my thoughts and feelings my thoughts and feelings on the matter don't trump someone else's and who find themselves in that situation where they have to make that decision like uh you have to make the decision like there are three three things i specifically understand uh, a woman making that decision for rape incest or the health of the mother but there are other women who make that outside of those three instances and that is their choice to make despite what I what my moral opinions are but I also don't believe that I have the right to make a difficult decision or what some women find to be a difficult decision even worse for them right by being out there and like picketing and being in their face and telling right yeah like it's already not that easy of a decision to come to so why should I make something that is already hard that much worse that has nothing to do with my body you know what i mean right. like, it, it has nothing to do with me and also the uh sorry guys i'm dying in the background the the hypocrisy of talking about well we want to protect unborn children but yet you lock up the children uh that are already born and you abuse the children that are already here. You and don't you protect don't the children to... that are already here. Yes. You don't provide. You allow them the... to be gunned down in schools and on the street. Be homeless, underfed. Yes. All these things. To yes. live in poverty. No, but yet you want to protect the children that aren't even born. I'm trying to think of what interview or like it was like a, a press conference or something of one. I don't know if he was a political figure or, or some what his stance was or his st- uh whatever but it was a white guy and he was talking about like basically the concept of it's only my responsibility to make sure this child makes it into the world after that fuck it it's like not my and he was in a role i feel like the reason why it was it was also so ridiculous is that he was in a role that was deciding uh like how to take care of or like provide funding or something for children of the community and it was like okay so you just said that you only care about bringing children to this world quote unquote protecting their rights but you're not going to protect that child's further rights once they're out of the womb after that point it's not your problem it's like it is your problem because you force this woman to have this baby like if you're going to make if you're going to literally force women to have children you better damn well have some sort of care protection i'm not saying like once the government provides this this is what 
that's not what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, he's basically implying that I, we don't take care of kids once they come out the womb. We only protect children's rights inside the womb, which makes, which makes no sense. Like they're not doing anything active in society. They're just chilling in Paris. No offense. So basically what you're doing is you're trying to legislate or you only care about what a woman does with her body prior to a child coming out of it. (laughs) Once the child is out of it, then not my problem. Right. Or the, the, not just for the mother, but also for the child. Because children know when mm. they're not wanted and when they're not loved. Mm-hmm. So what? You want to raise broken adults? Anyway, I'm not going to keep going on I about know. it. But I thought it was a good episode. It brings me to the point that, though, that there's like some... That was one thing they did really good of being sensitive to talk, talk about, even though they had a short moment to really right. speak on it. But there are other things in there that were like very heavy handedly done or just like as if like it's like slap you with a one liner in a that didn't come out real well. And I can't think of an example right now, but like the character of James. Yes, James. I was like, James, what is going on? I had to I, look no, up I if did was, like that character. I like the concept of that character, but I feel like it just was underserved so badly. And they For relied sure. very heavily on like it just seemed very stereotypical, like he was supposed to be Latino and so and, but he was drunk, like, but he's, he's an alcoholic half. I don't want to give away that, but he's an alcoholic, dirty, like, uh, what's the word? I would say dirty, but disheveled. Disheveled. That's, I was like trying to think of something about Dressed kind of like a mariachi. Yeah. Like it's almost like Desperado, but yeah, in a modern yes, time. That's what I was trying to think of. And like, he, there is this one part though where he is introduced in his episode. He's introduced and he comes over <clears throat> to a table of a black couple who looks like they're dressed from the 1950s. I like the little church. play. Yes, yeah. I like the little play. Like either they're going for church or coming to, for food after church, but they're sitting there and there's a white how they introduce the scene is there's a white bartender or a white owner of the bar and he comes over and like it seems awkward like I'm like oh is this about to be like a conversation on race Um, and then he goes back and the white bartender I don't know he was that was an awkward conversation back and forth but anyway he asked if if James is like a friend of theirs and James goes over there and walks over and he's like, you know, there was a time when your, your, your kind weren't allowed in yes. a place like this in public. Yeah. Cause they're holding ha- the black couples holding hands, quote unquote, black couples holding hands. But then you find out they're infernals and you, <laughs> you see the play right. of yeah. what he's doing, but it was like, it was clever, but also like the way that they try to like do James it, as half breeds. Yeah. It was mis It was kind of misleading. But I, I kind of liked it because it was like the I liked that scene. Yeah, it was a good one. But then like how they use James throughout the rest of that scene, I was like, or throughout the rest of that episode, I was like, there's just so much more you could have done with him. But you just kind of kept him as like a trope kind of like box. What's the word I'm looking for for the type of character types where they're not really developed and they're just there to like push a story along, but they kind of fit a stereotype. Uh, we talked about it in a season like last year, but I can't remember. But he just. It's something about it rubbed me wrong the way it was like James could have been great yes. and he wasn't. He was yeah, he really could have been a great character. I thought I his character was very likable mm-hmm. and it's someone that you could relate to, but yeah, he needed thorough like more 
uh, development yeah. so that you could get to know him a little bit better. And how come he knew all the secrets right. that even Isaac, who's the, who's the uh, patriarch of his family, like Isaac hadn't shared it, didn't share it with his own his own son but or yet, wife or his wife but yet his wife knew more about him than anybody so it was like there are all these things which plays on the fact of like how we present ourselves to the world because i was watching something else oh no i was watching the the video for montesero from little nas and it was like how we he he intros it and i don't i have to check if it's like a quote from something or if he created it but he basically says in the real in the current world or in the real world we only allow people to see certain sides of ourselves right and sometimes a lot of the theme I saw in the show too for superstition was that everyone's trying to protect. Like we do these things that may sometimes hurt people, even though we're trying not to hurt them. I think at one point may even says this or oh, B says this. It's like, we do things trying to protect the ones we love. And sometimes we're going to hurt people along the way, but we do our best not to hurt them so much when we're trying to do what's best either, or what we think is best for them or ourselves. Right. Um, Isaac also mentioned something about that too, when mm. he's talking to Calvin, he was like, when it comes, he was like, I'm willing to do whatever, even if that means that you hate, hate me, me yeah. to protect you. And he was like, and once you, and as a father, you'll know when it comes to your child. And that kind of makes me think of, too, of like black or not even just black culture, but specifically in my context of black culture. But people of color having to like do things to what they think in their culturally is like protecting their children from the outside world or doing whatever they can. Because like if I think of tiger moms in Asian culture, like they're being harsh on their kids. But there's maybe some cultural context to it of like, I have to be harsh for you to like be the best because this world is going to like tear you down. The same thing with like black culture, like we for a long time with like <clears throat> I was reading Sisters of the Yam and it talks about like the emotional trauma that we carry with ourselves and when we're trying to protect what we used to use the tools we used to use to protect our kids in the past of like making them tough and hard so like when the world tries to get at them they're too hard to crack is like these aren't the things we can still do now because it's created these like you were saying earlier damaged or broken humans who are growing up raising more damage or broken humans, but it was like a tool we were using to protect ourselves, but it can't be, it's no longer useful. And it wasn't really that great of a tool. It was just the best we had. It was, if I scare you, but particularly within black American community, I believe it was, if I scare you now and keep a firm control over you or make sure that you're firmly controlled, then the police and the state won't come and kill you. Yeah. I think it's a and, it's, and it's I think combination it's this, yeah fear. It's but just it's like, even but even still you can still do all the right things and people will still find a way to kill, kill you, you or hurt you or, or hurt you or like, harm yeah. you. Um but when you talked about like the 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 type uh the stereotype of like the tiger mom, mm -hmm. the quote unquote tiger mom um, I can't say for like every Asian country, but for some of them, that might draw from the fact that, you know, there's this heavy reliance on a firstborn mm -hmm. son specifically to take care of the family in their like later years, because, you know, that's part of this traditionally the son's care of the family. But responsibility, also, like but also the fact that in some of these Asian countries, there is no social security. So you can only rely on, on your, your children. Your cho that's and what... so you need to make sure your child has 
the best future exactly possible can, so that you can that can that so that they can support not just you but their own family exactly because uh, like my friends who are female or female born um who are asian like they deal with that same thing like that that issue of like i have to be the best because my parents have like drilled into me that i need to be the best to not only take care of my family but like make it in this world um and when you mentioned that that just reminded me of a friend of mine where he is the young uh, i think he's the oldest and he's a son and he has a sister and his sister went to law school and i think she's a practicing attorney here in the states um and she's very accomplished but he also mentioned how for the longest time their relationship had been damaged because his parents uh kind of held him uh up a bit higher Mm -hmm. because he's a boy versus his very accomplished sister who was fighting to get all these accomplishments and recognitions of her value because she was a girl and i was like yeah it it's that type of cultural uh tradition that can be very damaging and it could have wrecked their entire relationship you know but they both were able to make amends and i and i believe they're on the road to patching up their relationship and and be having that sibling relationship but because of like this thing and he's not the only one that i've met that Mm -hmm. had that particular story as well when it comes to family dynamic and relationships and like I said you can see those family relationships from an entire different country playing out as well in the black community among some family members Mm -hmm. as well because I was like in superstition there's a point where I mean maybe he mentioned his joke maybe he didn't but uh when Calvin says that the birthday that was on like the combination code that his father used was his younger brother who had passed or had died excuse me um arlo he was like well maybe i loved him more than you and there is that in any culture you have that sibling rivalry which you know we talk about it or joke about it but like there is a real or not we it's a real thing but like it's a real thing that people have to deal with and struggle and like there's always i think that that dynamic of having to like figure out that whether your parents subconsciously or unconsciously or consciously put you all in those positions, like you having to a learn that, that that's something that's going on whether it's playing out consciously or not. And then also how do you like grow from that? Because it can kill, like you said, kill relationships for a long time. And like Calvin's dealing with this feeling of he left for a while ago thinking one thing and also thinking about the dynamics of how he stood as his, firstborn within this family and then later when he finds out the extension of his family and like where does his what is his role in this family where does he exist is he and i think there's a point where he and james are having a conversation through the forest and james is trying to get him to unlock his next level but he's bringing up a lot of the issues that calvin has by exposing these secrets of like these other families or other uh hastings out there or in the past that have been quote unquote better than him and how he's not living up to this potential, which is something he secretly deals with. And I think what is interesting is the dredge, even though he's not a character that comes up, he's like the main evil force that they're working against. Yeah. He says a thing quite a few times in the episodes he's in fear tells all. Yes. And he uses the fears and the regrets and like the, the doubts that everyone has to like manipulate and change but they're all 
rational fears that we all deal with and experience and regrets from things that were said or done Mm. that do like come back to your to mind um no matter how far you've gone because no matter how how far away you run you can't outrun yourself and i think that was one of the things that calvin had to learn for himself is that fact that he ran away from home but he couldn't run away from himself because Mm. doubts and the fears were still there and the regrets were still there and that was something else that i thought superstition did well is talking about these family relationships and these dynamics and Mm. these regrets and fears and also the idea of protecting but not telling the entire truth and the thing is like what is it that you want because if you want the truth once you have it it can be very damaging it, it can be damaging but you have to decide whether you or not you want to accept the truth and deal with it or if you want to run from it and Isaac does give Calvin that opportunity because he Mm -hmm. asks him point blank do you want the Mm -hmm. truth and Calvin basically tells him yes I do and he was like you need to be prepared to handle it then right because it's gonna be a lot of responsibility comes with what they do and which on a side note I know we've been talking about something serious for a while but like this made me think too um it's kind of funny when you watch these kind of shows, these fantasy shows where the families have a secret because it's like it's been almost 800 years and ain't nobody found out the secret. And then suddenly everybody's all the secrets are coming out right people, now. Yeah. Everyone's stumbling upon the secret. Like you understand why the sheriff because like that happens and some other things It's like as the times progress, you kind of have to figure out a way to work with the local law enforcement because cameras are everything and Internet. Yes. But like I was like, damn, now Russ knows who's his, what's her name's girlfriend like boyfriend and like all these people keep stumbling into the secret i'm like y'all can't keep no secret suddenly like i know all this time honestly (laughs) russ seemed to be to me one of the people that they probably should bring into the family because he was he was bringing them into the 21st century Mm, with that's (laughs) with his activities they had the 21st century like weaponry they needed the computers they needed the technology to go with it russ was a character I did. I kind of did not like his mm. character at the Mm-mm. beginning because he was kind of like this this stereotype, and I've been seeing a lot of of that lately. Where it's you know you have this person, the people who they like black culture, they like to emulate they speak, it, they yeah. like to 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 be all part of it and and speak this and talk the talk and have their own mixtapes to drop. Right, but yet the way they act towards black people and black culture is disrespectful mm-hmm. or they think that, Oh, well, because I, and you mentioned it in the last uh, episode, you know, just because I, ha- you're with somebody who's black, that gives me carte blanche mm-hmm. to say things, uh, derogatory things to right. people. Insensitive, derogatory, like, and yeah. think that there's it's not okay. any consequence and repercussion. And that just kind of reminded me, um, of, uh, what was that movie? Um, the one with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Oh, uh, Rush, Rush Hour. Hour. Yeah. Like in the first movie, mm-hmm. when they go into a a bar, which is black owned and black patron uh, patrons are in there. And Jackie Chan's character tries to emulate Chris Tucker's uh, character and how he addresses black people, mm-hmm. which causes a fight. And I was like, well, that's because you were wrong. wrong. Yeah. You can't go and say the same thing. Just because you hanging out with this just black person. Exactly. And I think that was a very subtle thing that probably people kind of gloss over. But it's telling you, like, just because you're with somebody who's black mm. does not t- give you the right to act and address them 
as it someone else who is black. Yeah, because at one point he's like, you know, I love your dirty draws, and that's yes. and, you know, I I grew we all grew up just kids saying dirty yeah, draws. And his but, girlfriend, I can't. Oh, what's uh, her, name? her name is Garvey. Garvey, yes. And Garvey was like, I don't like when you say that, right? And like, it's it's funny, or comical then he immediately changes to his like oh you know like it's like he switches off the yeah and and that's a that's a whole interesting dynamic too so like russ's character i like love hate him not love hate him i like hate him because i feel like he represents a lot of what i find wrong when they have certain characters like that and those people who do that appreciate appropriation um like everybody want to be black but nobody want to be black because i'm but then they kind of make him the one the person who's like even though he's acting goofy he could have a potential good soul he just needs to be corrected because he's like there for her and he supports her 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 family and the secrets and he's trying to help and be supportive even though he's making dumb mistakes as a kid right so you try to give him the benefit of the doubt but there were just times where i was like russ why can't you just die (laughs) i think i liked russ when russ stopped putting on a front yeah trying to quote unquote be cool and was just being himself yes because i was like okay smushy as he said yes i was like but not particularly in that moment but still i was just like be who you are stop Mm -hmm. trying to throw this front on while you're with her because she doesn't appreciate that and she knows that's the other thing is like she knows who he is so like for him to try to be and that's that's i know how some people will be like well who i am is someone who likes and like you can appreciate it without it being a facade that you put on thinking that you have to be this thing to like these things right You, you it doesn't have to be a persona if you like rap music fine you like rap music Mm -hmm. but you don't have to have it in your speech pattern or your or the way you dress or say the word if you know all of these things there 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 are so many things there is um i don't know do you have any to to turn it into a caricature you don't need to turn people into a caricature just because there are certain things that you like about them but uh one of the the other things that i noticed was the fact that um, and I think we talked about it in a, a previous episode was how if you were going to make something that is predominantly black, you can't have it just be all black. There have to be some white people in there. And I think even though I liked Tilly's character, I was like, she did remind she remind me of like the NCIS, like every she, show. Yeah, she like reminded Garcia, me of Abby Shudo from yeah. NCIS, Abby Shudo character from yeah. NCIS for sure. It's like the goth white girl who's kind of dark. like, But pale. she's she's super smart and everything like that, that you can't be smart if you're yeah. a, a goth white girl. But I'm just she's like I, smart and clever and funky, like all those mm-hmm. stereotypes together. Right. But I was also thinking one of the things that I found um, interesting was how even though it is a black show that they still have to have this one white woman in there as part of the main cast versus just having it be an all black cast with white people like and anybody else coming in um like in a given episode but she has to be there and it's like you can't have a show with just all with a just all black cast without there being a white person also there as being part of the main cast but you can have tons of shows and movies that are all white casts 
without having a black uh, supporting character that's there to just kind of chime in to help out the main character. And characters. even then, they could have done something different instead of her being white. She could have been Latina. She could have been uh, Asian. She could have been Native, like indigenous. Like they could have played. But that, but that's what I'm going to yeah. is the fact that they say a lot of black shows can't be greenlit without a white without character. a white it's like character coming there. to America. The only reason they got to really get that greenlit too was they had to add Louis, Louis Anderson. Anderson, right? Well, a white car- guy in there, and they picked Louis Anderson, and he was on the list of what three? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that yeah. thing, but it's just like, well, you had Russ, okay? So we already had Russ. But I guess because but Russ, Russ was wasn't, more of like a supporting. Yeah, he, he came like, he came in and out in the beginning. He didn't really have much of a role. And then you had the deputy who was there. Yeah, and, but then the deputy got switched out for the mayor because yeah. the mayor starts to pop up more, more. and more towards the end of the episode. But had, no matter what, them. you still had to have a, a white character, white character a, in and amongst these black characters. Where I was like, you know, this is. A uh, small town in Georgia. I was like, it could have been a black family-run funeral parlor with a black, you know, doctor who who was Tilly or right. like you said, she could have been because they had an Asian family there. Latino, yeah, they had uh, there was Latinos. There they had too. Asian yeah. families there, yeah, as well. So they had all of these other groups to that they could have drew Pulled from, from yeah. but f- for some particular reason, you had to have uh, it be white people. I'm not saying I didn't. I liked Tilly's character yeah, for sure. But it just was like they could. There's so many things that like when you think about diversity of the casting and like who they could have put in, like that. Like you said, I don't know if there's a name for it. I don't know the white tax where you gotta have <laughs> have a white person in there. If I just made I that out, trademark. Like, it might be. It might be the white law. I. I right. Don't, I don't know. But I just I, this show. Because I feel like I, Kristen has to go to work, so we want to make sure we wrap this up. But uh, I like this show overall for a lot of the reasons we were saying. There's things that they were trying to tackle, and they did really well. And it was a cheesy, sci- like sci-fi. I don't expect like grandiose special effects or anything like that. And I like Hercules and Xena, so I, I like the, the 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 kind of set design and things like that. I like that a lot of the demons I found it was interesting that some of the most of the demons were white or the infernos were white and there were a few like people of color mixed in. But when the people of color mixed in were infernos, they were like stereotypes. And I was yes. like, what the fuck? And they weren't very old as well. But that leads me to like that last episode, like yeah. episode 12. Episode 12 I have going on. Of my notes like WTF question mark because there was so much going on. I feel like they were just like, <laughs> we know we're not going to be renewed. We got to finish out the rest of this budget. Let's just put all kinds of ridiculousness in here. My uh, okay. So first of all, when the, the infernals are finally let free. There was the you see the one that was floating that yes. was that and he was, was shooting lasers from his head. I was like, okay, as much as I hate where this is going, I'm loving what this looks like visually. Like visually, it's like, such a why shit is he show. shooting lasers from his head? Because he was supposed to be, I think, like a like Buddhist or Indian or I something. But like, a, a, I, I'm pretty sure they don't shoot lasers I from know, their head. But it was like that kind of ridiculousness. Yes, <laughs> and then you had Garvey who magically has X Men powers. Right. I was like, how does so does that mean like all of them that do? she can that she can like like chip into like it kind of made no sense she had to suck from her boyfriend who they shared blood with yeah and then he passes out and she's like shooting like fireballs from her her hands and And i was like 
what is going on? Did all the Hastings children have this power? Really? Like, because no one else seemed to have magical powers no. except for Arlo, maybe? Maybe B did, but she wasn't. She, she was like, I feel like she had a connection to, like, there in the was sense of, like. Like, she, another, another season probably could have fleshed that out. Yeah. I feel like one of my main issues was that they threw in so much myth and lore, like, and they didn't really give time to flesh out they just be like, yeah, this is a thing from Shiva. And yeah, this is a thing from this. Like, I was they like, how did we get this? Right. And like, or just like kind of delve into like why they're using that particular thing or they're, um, and B who's the mother, every fucking, excuse me, every freaking episode, but for real, that's what it gets me is that she came in as a different version of like black culture and, and, and belief in mysticism. Cause like she's making herbs that heal people. She's, she's ice goddess Isis in the first episode. <laughs> then she's the black Panther. But like, I literally said at one yes. point where she comes in at season 12, I'm like, Oh, she busted in. Like she's the black Panther movement. Like she, and then she's wearing like that. Shiki's and one thing. And they're all like, and then she's literally ep- every episode. I was like, is she's just going to reference every like version of like black lore and myth and like background history like that. And then I just, I wish they would have done more instead of throwing like 17,000 things at me from different countries and places. Like give me a few things and like, let's delve deep and like, right. Like how shit. did we, how do we get this? Where does Isaac go on his journey? Like right. those could have been part of like episodes to like, flesh out a longer running series but because i guess they only had one year they were just like let's throw it all in there but still just and also the fact that why is uh the mother always have to die when it comes to 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 series gave you a real spoiler i did mention that there i know i didn't know you were about to give the like the altar i was trying to hold that one off but Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just saying because that seems to be like a common thing because in supernatural the mother dies Mm. and like it seems to be in in so many other tv shows and and movies a parent dies like there particularly the mother is not there like if you think of like tv shows like uh uh what is it called like uh two and a half men Mm. that was really popular uh, no, the mother didn't die, but she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like, there, like full house, the mother is not there. Like, there are so many things where it's is been continuously, like, like, there is no mother present for some reason. So it's, like, kitsch to to basically see men trying to raise a family but right in this or one, but, or the fact that the or the fact that the mother somehow has died but most of those are like she's died in the beginning so she's not a character as opposed to with this one be is there and featured she doesn't die until the end i didn't say anything about b dying you just gave up but the way you were talking about it is that she's not there in the story but we've been talking about her as if she's there in right, the story but, so she's like, there the entire but I'm, time but i'm saying like why does it still have to be part of the story right, that I she mean, ends up dead i feel like because of the fact because they foreshadowed this a shit ton was that he was always like you're the one that keeps me whole this time when i came back you were like the goddess isis pulling me forward you're what's like his only rocket and when they keep talking about what's his weakness they say all these different things but isaac i think his weakness because it also seems like this particular paramour in his immortal life was one of the closest he had it seems like the way that their relationship went i don't know how many other they 
Without, there are so many yeah. like warnings because even Aunt Nancy is like, I'm here to try to save your family. Yeah. And like the whole dynamic between her and Isaac as well. Mm. Like, even though you know that there's history there and they kind of give you a glimpse of it, but still she was there trying to save and protect his family. Exactly. But then part of the thing is that they say that he keeps sending people. He sent Aunt Nancy. Right. He sent James. It's like, who are these people and how are you sending them? And like when James pops up and you're like, James like, how did you get here? And he was like, right. Isaac sent up like the big si- sax, bad signal. signal. And it's like, what the heck is this signal? It makes me wonder, because in the beginning when Calvin's having those visions, I can't remember if B is in those visions. I know for sure t- he mentions Tilly. He she mentions- was. So I wonder, though, if the death of him was either him doing that one thing in the first episode or second episode, or if the death of him that he saw was really like the loss of B. So that because she's the one who is anchors him to the world currently. Right. But I also wonder what was changed. And also the fact that like there are so many things uh, that I just had questions about that. Of course, I'm not going to get answers to Mm -hmm. because with like Calvin and and like what was going on with him. Yeah. When they talk about what kind of person he was compared to the rest of his family. Right. I was like, what were like can we see these other children like how also, did, how did they die that's the question i also had was like okay so it seems like only isaac is immortal is the only one who could be immortal but suddenly um like what does his immortal blood do for these kids because his granddaughter has powers but you don't really see calvin or arlo having powers and again what are these other kids that he had what were their if they had powers and also my other question is but even he didn't have powers so so far as we know he like could control or do things but he had regenerative powers yeah um but that would make sense but my other question is and this goes to a lot of times when you see these kind of shows where like they have the one town is like the center point where like evil happens but it happens all over the world too and there's other like in buffy with the fault lines yeah or like what do they call right but in buffy like there are different slayers all over the world. So I was like, are there still Hastings around all over the world? Like, did he, that's a good question. Cause I was like, all they of had, his kids couldn't have died. Over and they could have had grandchildren and like, right. Cause he seemed to be really excited when he was going to find out when he found out he was going to be a grandfather. Right. So I was like, so was that the only time? He- right. Or did they like never make it? And then also like, who's finding this stuff in the other world? Cause he's supposed to be the one he was given the power to seal the ring of Solomon, but he's but- only in one area now. Exactly. He's, he's traveled all over the world to settle in one small town in, in the United States. So I'm like, are there other ones out there doing this? Does he have a gang of Hastings out there in the field? And like-, like all good questions. Like what, what would have been like for him to run into you know, descend other descendants of Isaac Hastings, you right. know, that are outside uh, of like La they Rochelle. pop up or something. They yeah, come some, back. Maybe some did choose to leave because they were like, I don't want to have to do this and found themselves still being in the family business. Maybe he does go and visit like mm, other his descendants other of his. Like there are so many questions and it could have gone on to be a very well written, fleshed out series. I just think it needed a kind of a better start. Um, and a heck of a lot better end for yeah sure. for sure though i have to say my so my so in the, the episode one of the first episodes one of my favorite one-liners is where they're fighting one of the zombie corpses and he like they're all naked because they're zombie corpses from the morgue and he knocked mario van peebles put some respect on his name uh he like 
basically says keep your eye on the ball and then like stomps down on this dude's balls and i'm just like so you you come from this like that kind of humor and like ridiculousness to like something that's pretty clever but also ridiculous because in season 12 he says episode 12 oh sorry season 12 season one episode 12 my favorite line of the entire series never turn your back on an ex (laughs) oh yes I'm just—I'm not gonna spoil it for y'all, but when you—you—you you, you have to get to episode twelve because it, I missed it the first time I watched it, but when I watched it the second time and I heard what he said in the context of what he said, I was like, I don't know what's happening in season, in episode twelve. It's a lot of nonsense, but this right here just brought me back. Like, yeah. literally, it's clever. So, this show—how how many uh, fuzzy froze do you give it? Uh, I would probably give it three fuzzy froze to be honest. Three, I'm about okay. I'm about three, um, because there can't go back, Chris, and never the, get back on the, the idea. <laughs> can't go back on the froze either, <laughs> um, because I think the idea was was solid. Like it's a great idea, and I think that given time and budget, um, and a lot of the storyline being kind of cleaned up a bit. And maybe reduced down and simplified a little. I think it could, it could be as long a running series, not probably as supernatural, because nothing should probably ever run that long. Never. I don't care what I don't know why supernatural what the obsessive supernatural fans say, um, but it could be at least a, f- a fewer seasons, like at least a, a good probably five seasons. Yeah, I was gonna say five seasons would have been really good to like round that off. Right. So, what about you? How many fuzzy fros? Uh, I honestly would say the same if it was because of the very same reasons we've talked about it had just a lot going on for one I wouldn't I I wouldn't give it below three because there was so much potential to it and it had some good points to it and good well thought out scenes and it also had like I love the cinematography for it they were like when they did other worlds and um with I don't know what their budget was, but I'm assuming like not the greatest budget, what they were able to do. Um, and I actually realized that some of the characters I'm, so the daughter or the granddaughter is actually Morgana Van Peebles. I was wondering, I saw, I that saw I a name. Like, I saw another Van Peebles and I was, and like, I was like, okay. Mm. And then the one who plays the mother may, she's actually in a few things that I've, or two things I've seen. One was being Mary Jane, but the other one that I recently watched was, uh, motherland fort salem which was about the witches who were basically the military for the united states like it's it's interesting yeah i I think i was telling you about before okay i know her face looked familiar yeah she plays she's she's like the she's a big baller ass military woman in that one but uh i was like when i saw her in this i was like why do i she seems so familiar and i looked her up and i was like oh that's why uh but i think there's just so much going on that I would have loved to delve into. Like when they mention things like for me from a myth and folkloric standpoint, cause that's what I love. I would have loved to know the history behind some of the things they use. And when she mentions like different herbs and spices and the things, the outfit she's wearing and even Tilly, when she brings up certain things, right. I would have loved to know that historical folkloric context more because that's what I find the most fat- fascinating when building fantasy worlds. I thought it was very interesting the fact that they chose to make the, it, them a family that deals uh, with funerals mm. because you can learn a lot about people with culture 
with their death practices and one of the things that you got to see highlighted was uh wiccan ceremonies Mm -hmm. like i've never seen uh what a wiccan funeral looks like and it's different for and i'm sure it may not have been a hundred percent exact but at least it gave you an idea of what it could possibly be like um and it, it was very interesting because they do incorporate uh wiccan religion in the episode and it's not seen as something horrible or bad or just kind of like a a joke but something that is to be respected i definitely yeah agreeing with you on the funeral point that was one of the points i wanted to make earlier but it was that idea of also like funeral homes and black culture and like kind of how they first got started really because after especially after the civil war when black people were like not sure how white funerals would treat and respect black bodies right they started making their own and the history behind that is really interesting if you ever get a chance to like look into that and like the history of just funeral homes in general but also like i follow oh i can't think of her name but i like to as part of things that is also fascinating is like the different burial ceremonies and like respect for the dead that happens across cultures and how they celebrate and b the mother makes a really good point of like everyone's passing deserves respect no matter who the person was and if they're different from you. And they went to the extreme point of like, this is a racist that they were burying, but that's a good point of like everyone's process dessert and like not process, but everyone's culture and everyone person deserves a respectful passing that, you know, right. Because I remember when you're talking about, cause B does make the point that even though this particular person was, would not be considered a good person, Mm. uh, he was still somebody's father or son or brother. He, mm-hmm. he still was possibly loved by someone. Right. And so they should still pay respect to that person, no matter in death, even d- despite who they were when mm-hmm. they were alive. Right. And that could be said about so many things. There's just so many levels. See, this is why it's an onion that wasn't peeled properly. Yeah. I it, would have to say. it definitely, it definitely should have had probably a bigger budget and they could have done so much more with it if they had been given time to roll with it. But yeah, three, I think we got an average score of three fuzzy frills, fuzzy toes, uh, with that. I should not say things with those on the end. Uh, anyway, I think we are doing Ember an Ember in the ashes for our April book. Yes, that does sound right. Tamir Sabah. Sabah? I'm going to mispronounce her name, and I'm sorry, but it's like T-A-M-I-R-S-A-B-A-A. Um, we'll learn how to pronounce it by the time we yes. <laughs> we have that episode. So if you want to get started on that first book, Ember in the Ashes, then we'll be see you there. It'll be for the end of April, but we'll be back to you with the mini-sode at the beginning of April. You'll find out what our fun topic will be about surprise surprise inside until next time let's put these crayons back in the box and we'll see you for the next episode find us on all major podcast platforms like us and give us a five-star rating and don't forget to leave a review music by moon apple plaques check her instagram out and